1 John 5, 12 through 13. Um, that's actually not my text for today. It's uh, 1 John 4, 7 to 21. But it's hard to plop in the middle of a, of a book, of a letter, and speak on it because there's stuff before it, there's stuff after it, and I, and especially hard when I haven't been privy to the messages before uh, this, so I don't know what, what you've heard, what's been discussed, but I get this passage in the middle. Uh, so one of the things I want to start is kind of set some, some boundaries, kind of get some, some of the big picture. Uh, it's hard, I, I surmise that the person that preached the first message went to 1 John 5, 12, and 13, and read this passage that says, anybody have 1 John, there we go. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? These things I have written to you, okay, now this, this is why John has written this entire letter, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the, of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So he's writing to believers, but for whatever reason, we're wanting, you know, it's one thing to say, yeah, I agree. He who has the Son has the life, but how do I know I have the Son? What are some of the characteristics? or How, how, how can I know that? I assume somebody's preached on that. Not if this sounds reasonably familiar. That's important to know. It's at the, towards the end of the letter, but it's important to know up front because it helps us interpret everything along the way. So that's, that's the, sets the purpose of the book. And now let's jump to the beginning of the book, which is equally important. I'm sure somebody preached on this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen? If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Did somebody preach on this? Who preached on this? Bobby did. He, he gave me a blank look, so I wasn't sure. This is important to remember. One of the things that gets confusing in, in this letter is, uh, says, you know, I'm writing this, that you may not sin. There's, there's two kind of concepts of sin. There's committing a sin, and there's, there's living in sin, and, you know, and practicing sin. Uh, so that's a distinction that you need to make sometimes. This is committing a sin. If someone commits a sin, if we confess our sins, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. I'm writing these things so that you don't commit sins. But if you do commit a sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Most of what we're going to be looking at today is of the other kind, the, the, the habitual lifestyle uh, type of, of uh, verb. Okay, so 1 John 4, one of the things that, that needs to be done when you're studying a passage is read it and try to find what's the, 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 what's the point? What's, what's that, that main idea so that you can, well, what's the difference between a nail and a screw? Yeah, I, I saw the hand gesture. Yeah, a nail is this, and a screw is this. Which, which holds something together stronger? A screw. You can, you can hammer a nail in, but you can pull it apart. 
But when you screw a screw, it gets in there so deep that if you pull it apart, you just rip the whole thing apart. So a screw has one point, but as it goes around and around and around, it gets deeper and deeper in. So if we can find that point, we can see how John is going around and around and around it. But I'm having trouble finding that point, so I want you to help me. See, help me find, what's, what's that point of the screw in this passage? What is it? Are you sure? <laughs> pretty, pretty graphic, isn't it? So what do you think we're going to be talking about today? Wow, yeah. Okay, so speaking of love, there's some pretty famous passages in the New Testament. One is a lawyer, a, a teacher of, of the Jewish law, stood up and put Jesus to the test saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? You know, he's, he's kind of proud of his, his religious standing, but he's asking Jesus, what should I do? And Jesus said, well, what's written in the law? Uh, how does it read to you? And, and this leader says, well, it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor is yourself. Jesus said, you have answered correctly. Do this and live. Yeah, you're right. Go do it. Sermon's done. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, well, yeah, okay, but who's my neighbor? Looking for that loophole, you know. Yeah, I, 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 I love my neighbor, but can I pick which one it is? So then Jesus replied and said, and he tells this story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. This we call this the story of the Good Samaritan. Uh, a man was go going from Jerusalem down to Jericho. It's down the mountain. And some robbers mugged him and left him uh, beaten and bruised on the side of the road. And they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. So here's this guy. He's laying on the side of the road. And a bunch of religious leaders. First, first a, uh, a pastor walks by. I won't say which one, but where do you go? Um, yeah. A pastor walks by, sees this man bloody and bleeding, crosses to the other side of the road, and continues his way. Then a uh, missionary came, saw him, walked. All these religious leaders saw and, and walked, kept on walking. But finally this, it's called a Samaritan, lived in Samaria. These guys were detested by the Jews. They were, they were of mixed, they were mixed race. They were of a different culture, different language, different religion. And they were just despised by the Jews. He comes along, binds up the man's wounds, takes him to a, to a motel, pays the innkeeper, take care of him, and so on. So then Jesus asked this guy, well, who's, who, who's, who is the neighbor of this man? He's the one that showed him compassion. Now we had a, a, um, I had a teammate one time in Argentina that we were talking about this story, and, and he said, I hate sermons on, on the Good Samaritan. Um, I'll keep him anonymous. But he said, you know, I said, well, why? Because I thought it was a good, you know, I thought, man, I'd love to preach this. And he, and he said, because the story is the message. I mean, if, if you have to explain this story in a sermon, then you don't get it. So he said, there's nothing to preach. Just read the story. Did I get that right, Nate? Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's going to be the spirit of this passage that we read in, in 1 John 4, 7-1. I'm not going to preach a whole lot about it because 
if you don't understand what the Holy Spirit wrote through John, there is absolutely nothing I can say to help make it clearer. But before we get to that, we're talking about love. What is love? Well, there's the famous 1 Corinthians passage. Love is patient. Love is kind. and is not just. We probably have a song about that. Uh, does not brag. Is not arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Does not take into account a wrong suffered. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Every one of these... In, in, in the original uh, Greek, these, we have a translation, are all verbs. Is patient. No, but it, it's, that's a verb. So how do you make all these verbs? Well, let me show you. So we're going to revisit that, looking at what is love. I mean, kind of trying to really, yeah, love is patient. Okay, but what does patient mean? Love remains tranquil while waiting. Husbands, do you love your wife? How many husbands just got an elbow in the ribs, but remains tranquil while waiting, doesn't get agitated? Love is kind. What is kindness? You know, show me kindness. It means love is useful. It's, it's, it's a benefit to somebody. Love is not jealous. It means you don't have negative feelings over another's success. Love does not brag. It means you don't heap praises on you. You know people like that? that just... Yeah, man, I, wasn't that cool what I did? You know, and they just can't keep from, can't stop talking about themselves. Love is not arrogant, isn't full of hot air. Love does not act unbecomingly, does not behave disgracefully, and kind of use your imagination there, but it's just, it just has an ugly demeanor about them. Does not seek its own, does not insist on its own way, doesn't always have to be right, doesn't always have to have the last word. Can I get an amen? That's, we're getting... <laughs> is not provoked, doesn't get irritated. Wives, husbands, you know, we, we say, oh, I love you. Yeah. See, love's more than just, uh, how many kids do we have? Okay. It's more than just a, a, an eruption of hormones. It, it's, it, it's, it, it may include that, but it's this stuff. Is not provoked, doesn't get irritated, doesn't take into account a wrong, doesn't hold a grudge. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness. Doesn't get excited when someone messes up. Ha <laughs> ha, yeah, you got what you deserved. Rejoices with the truth. Well, that's a verb, rejoices with the truth. I can't really improve on that. If you can't improve it, don't. Bears all things, keeps things, kind of puts a lid on it, keeps things confidential. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And love never fails. This is what we're, so all those red, this, this is at least one picture of what love is. So keep this in mind as we talk about love. So love is just, it's one of those neat emotions. It's really not an emotion per se. There are some aspects, yes. It's more than, it's more than just an emotion. So now begins the non-sermon. I ain't, I'm not going to preach too much on this. I, I may preach afterwards. So beloved, let us love one another. Do I, need, do I need to explain? I mean, either get it or you don't. Love, you know, this, this is, you know, love one another. This is what we're talking about. For love is from God. Let me know if there's, let me know if there's something not clear about some of this. And I'll pray for you because I can't explain it any better. 
Uh, and, and everyone who loves, now this is, this is the practicing love. This is, you know, work, love kind of works the same way as sin. Sometimes it's committing an act of love. Sometimes it's talking about a lifestyle of love. And that's what all of these are going to be is, is uh, a lifestyle habitually practicing uh, love is born of everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Remember John's purpose? The one, I'm not making this up, I'm just reading the text. The one who does not love does not know God because God's love. By this, the love of God was manifest in us. That God sent his only begotten or his unique son into the world. God loves us so much he sent his son so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Now let, me know, let me know if some of this isn't clear. You, you with me? You following me? No one has seen God at any time. Anybody seen God? No one has, so if, no, no one has seen God at any time. If we, if we love one another, God abides. You've had sermons on abide, right? Remains and all that. It says in us. Sometimes we just take that just to be in me. But it actually kind of has two concepts, and we miss one of those concepts. Basically here, this can also be among us. God, if we, because this is all plural, if we love one another, then God abides among us in our midst. And his love is perfected among us. By this we know that we abide in him. And he in us. Now, because he has given us his spirit. We have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him. Now, this is singular, so yeah, there is a sense that God abides in me. Yes, I'm not saying, but we miss that corporate aspect of God dwelling among us. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God. Not rocket science here. And God abides in him. By this love is perfected so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in the world. Now, we're in this world. We're not of the world, but we are in the world. There is no fear in love. I think we read that today. But love casts out fear. Because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. Now, I'm not, I'm not don't shoot the messenger. This is John's words. For the one who does not love his brother, oh, but yeah, okay, who's my brother? Yeah, oh, no, we can't look for those loopholes, huh? <laughs> for the one who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, 
How in the world can you love God who you haven't seen? Which may seem like, but you can't do it. And this is the commandment we have from him, that the one who loves should love his brother also. Therein ends the sermon. How much time was that? 18 minutes. Okay, I've got a few. But that's the sermon. I'm going to keep talking, but, 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 but that, that's the sermon on, on this passage. Now, how, how do we know? I mean, working it out in, in real life. Love is messy, and we're, we're going to talk about some of that. There's a book, uh, a really old book, probably from the 1970s, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It's, uh, Stephen Covey, anybody not heard of that? Everybody heard of that? The, no, anyhow, he tells the story of being on the subway, and a man gets on with his four kids. Now, everybody, everybody in the subway is quiet. It's early morning, you know, coffee in hand. Uh, quiet, everybody's quietly reading their papers or maybe catching a few more Zs. It's really quiet in there. This man comes in with four kids that are, like, chaotic messing with people, taking their paper, climbing all over everything, just making chaos, and you can see everyone not waiting tranquilly. And everybody's starting to get irritated, i.e. probably not super loving. And finally, Kobe has to say something, so he works up his best love and patient tone of voice and says, sir, don't you realize that your kids are um, causing a bit of mayhem here? And the man looks up. <sighs> yeah. I guess I should do something about that. But you see, we just left the hospital where their mother died an hour ago, and they're not really sure how to handle that. And I guess I'm not either. Wow. Kobe, how does he respond now? Does he have to screw up that patience? Suddenly, instantly, he's got compassion galore. All that chaos is of no consequence. What happened? He stopped and listened to the man's story. And when he knew his story, that explains so much. It's when we assume we know what's going on, and then we react and we judge and prejudge and post-judge and just plain judge. But once he heard the man's story, he didn't have to, okay, I'll be, that, that compassion just, just flowed out of him because, holy cow, their mother just died an hour ago. Hearing, listening to people, and hearing their story, that's one way to show love. I was at a conference just Thursday, and this was a sentence in this man's presentation. Christians withhold love from people and groups they refuse to listen to. 
Can you think of any people or groups that you don't want to listen? They're just plain wrong. I mean, well, you, you don't even listen. You just bristle up and, and just politically gender con- continuum, your parents, uh, your kids. We don't listen to them. Christians withhold love. The Christian, that first statement right there should just rip our hearts out. Christians withhold love. Remember the non-sermon? I mean, they will know we are Christians by our judgmental attitude. Is that what? No, I got that wrong. They'll know we are Christians by our love. They'll know we are Christians because we listen. But they withhold love from people and groups that they refuse to listen. I, I, I'm just not going to listen to you. And then, obviously, like, but, but I want to share the love of Jesus with you. Yeah. A couple of things that came to my mind. Everything you say isn't right. Yeah, shock, newsflash. Yeah, slaves just had a heart attack. <laughs> that, that may be a, a shock to you. Everything you say and believe isn't right. And everything, that, I don't know who they is, but it's whoever you're not listening. Everything they say isn't wrong. Who do you refuse to listen to? What if our conversations, what if, what if our conversations were like that? Don't answer that. I, I don't do this, maybe not well at the very least. I struggle with this. I bristle, I've, because I've got my story. I want somebody to listen to me. So, some, that's one, one type of, of conversation. There can be another where somebody comes and is just really traumatized and upset. Fill in your trauma, whatever. And there's trauma out there. Sometimes the best thing to say is nothing. Job's friends were really good until they opened their mouth. Sometimes just listening, checking, you know, are you saying, oh, man, that must, wow, that, that sounds horrible. That sounds like you're in a dark place. Or just sitting, you know, just with a, not even saying anything. And you're not trying to fix anything. You're just listening. Not necessarily approving of everything, but just being present in their dark time of, of, of trial. I have a friend named Steve that says, we need to be in, in the dark times, we need to be in people's photograph. They take a photograph, mentally, of, of these dark times, and then they look at them later, and, and they go, Gary was with me then. And that's all, they, don't, they don't remember anything I said. don't remember anything except I was there. So that's another kind of conversation where it's just, you know, it's not like the one husband where I'm trying to, you know, trying to work something out. There's kind of a conflict and we're working out a conflict. It's just showing love by coming alongside and saying, wow, you know, tell me more. You know, that, you know, and just listening. Active listening. We could do a whole sermon on active listening, but just not making it about, oh, yeah, the same thing happened to me once, you know, and, and turning it to ourselves or belittling it. Yeah, well, that, you know, that's nothing. You, should, you know, back in my day, you know, or, and, and, and we belittle it. Well, at least you still, guy 
loses a leg in combat. Well, at least you have one good leg. You know, that's, that's just not empathetic listening. Another kind, uh, I think we call this a conversation. Uh, somebody they says something stupid. Hypothetically speaking, and I could respond back with something stupid, or I could ask something, you know, tell me more. So, you know, and so he tells me, and I go, hmm, that's interesting. That's a good, I'd never thought of that. Because remember, not everything I say is right. And not everything he says is wrong. So the trick is to try to figure out what part of my posture is wrong and what part of Nate's could be right. And if he's doing the same thing, if we're not just bashing each other and we're actually trying to, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, that's interesting, but, but what about this? You know, and, and I present something, and, and Nate may go, huh, yeah. Or it may have something, but, but we're, we're responding to what they're saying, not, not attacking and not, I'm right, you're wrong, and I'm going to stay here till you believe that. That that's, happens way too much. That's called Facebook. And that's most of our conversations, frankly, anymore. How many have conflicts with their parents? Don't raise your hand. Or children. You know, generations have changed. Things have changed. And everybody has their story. Your parents have a story. Do you know it? They're not just idiots automatically. Life happened to them. Talk to them. Listen to them. But they have such... doesn't matter. First, Covey also goes on to say, seek first to understand. But you need to understand how stupid your position is. No, first I need to understand what your, and frankly, I don't know what his position really is. But if we had this conversation, or children with parents, or parents with children, we have stories and nobody listens to them. What would happen if we actually, what would happen if we actually loved one another? It's kind of the command. I don't know if you got the point for how to know if we have the son. But it's, if we're loving one another, and that just doesn't mean, oh, I, I like hanging out with you. It means, among other things, I'm going to listen to you when you come to me. I'm going to hear, tell me, tell me about your life. Tell me about your childhood. Tell, tell me your story. And I may be shocked, but I'm not shocked anymore because I've heard, I know what's out there, and nobody will listen to you. Wouldn't it be nice if there was a place you could go where you could open your heart and share your hurts and brokenness and the trauma and, and just the confusion without, and somebody would listen without judgment and not trying to fix you and would just accept you and love you? Wouldn't that be cool if there was such a place? Nervous giggle. That should be the church. See, I'm a teacher. I, as soon as you share something, you know, well, what you need to do is, 
or read this verse. This verse says you should, and I'm, I'm, I am so quick to teach and give a lesson. I speak before, listen, before listening. Proverbs says, he who gives an answer before he hears is an idiot. Let's uh, paraphrase, but reap, reaps, reaps shame and whatever. But basically, you're an idiot if you give an answer before you know what the question is. Or James says, be quick to hear and slow to speak. We just invert that. We just, if you say something, I got to correct you. It is my job to correct every wrong thing that you say and do. Amen? How do we know we have the Son? Because we love one another. How can we show we love one another? Well, wait patiently. But among other things, listen. When somebody comes to tell you your story, don't make it about you. Don't diminish or, or mock their position or, or make it, yeah, well, yeah, it's not that bad. We often say, yeah, but. Yeah, that's true, but. And we, and we go in to contradict them. How about just, yeah, and it affects me that way, too, or, or yeah, that's, that is hard. Or, oh, boy, it's hot out here. Well, not as hot as it was yesterday. <laughs> or, yeah, you should have been with me on a trip. We went to Death Valley. This isn't hot. This is like cold. And we made it, you know, tell my, I start telling my story, and, and instead of, so how does the heat, does the heat affect you? He said, yeah, I, I get, you know, and. Let them tell their story. Listening is helping someone else tell their story. Uh, how does what somebody read chapter 1 John 4, 20 and 21? If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar, for he who does not love his brother, whom he has not who he has whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Amen. We come to the time this morning where we recognize that we don't know about love from inside ourselves, but because he loved us first and he showed us what love was. So we remember his death, remember that he shed his blood and his body was broken. And we proclaim that because that teaches us that we are loved and it empowers us to love others. So we do it. We do it together every week and we say, this is his body broken for us. This is his blood shed for us. This is how we know we're loved. This is how we know how to love. I'm going to pray and then take with me. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your body and your blood shed for us and broken for us. We thank you for your light that shows us who we are and shows us who everyone else is. We ask that we would be able to remember you. Remember that what you did changed us and what you did empowered us. And we ask you to help us live in that power this week. We love you, Jesus. Amen. The body of Christ broken for you and the blood of Christ shed for you.